Hey everyone, and welcome back to Flightcast, a podcast inspired by the mobile flight simulator Infinite Flight. Joining me today in the Flightcast virtual studio is Mr. Skyhawk Heavy, Mark Denton. How are you doing today, Mark? Man, I'm doing well. How's it going? It's going well. Man, it was great to see you last week. I know, and you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> exactly was, the uh, response I was hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was awesome, man. It, it, it was absolutely awesome, you know, to... Uh, to uh, meet with you know of course you guys again which we all talk on a daily basis anyway so uh it's just like we're getting together for a few drinks and a game or something but uh it was it was absolutely awesome in san francisco last week yeah so in case you live under a rock and you're not sure what's going on here or maybe you've just found infinite flight or flight cast for the first time this is a, a podcast that's inspired by a mobile flight simulator called infinite flight and the creators of infinite flight uh, two of them live in San Francisco, California, and they have an annual staff meeting or meetup, I should say. It's not really a meeting. Uh, there, are, there are meetings that happen, but they're really yeah. it's really a, a good time for staff to hang out, get to know each other a little better. And uh, they invited me to come along for uh, this meetup this year in San Francisco and do a live podcast. So if you haven't seen that and you would love to take a look, go over to youtube.com slash flightcast audio and you'll see it there. It's one of the first ones available. You'll see live in San Francisco. Almost 10,000 views on that mark might be there by the time we actually release this recording. Wow. Yeah, 10,000. So, 10, so people are watching it and rewatching it and um, seem to seem to be enjoying it, which I'm really excited about. So probably out of that 10,000, all six Canadians have actually listened to it then. <laughs> you might, yeah, possibly. Yeah. But well, yes, seriously, dude. What that's, was the highlight awesome. for you? The highlight for me was basically, I guess I'd have to say the fact that I made it to San Francisco and you guys got to see me. I know for some that was on their bucket list and that that was probably the biggest highlight to know that I was able to bring that joy to others mm-hmm. of being able to meet me. But seriously, man, uh, you know, the plane spotting was awesome because here, you know, the largest thing we really get to see here in Mobile is a triple seven or maybe the DC 10 for FedEx. But uh, at San Francisco, I enjoyed, you know, seeing, you know, all the United 747. The 787 looked really nice. That was the first time I'd ever seen a 787. Yes. And we got to see some uh, uh, really all the heavies up close. All the heavies, uh, even the flying forehead. Uh, yeah, we saw super jumbo those there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If San Francisco is just an awesome place to, there are some spots you can actually drive by on the on the interstate, and you're very close to the airport. Very, very. Uh, we didn't get to go to. Uh, there's that one spot uh, that park across the water from the uh, the two eights. Yeah. No, uh, we didn't. That I really wanted yeah. to get to, but we sort of had to do our spotting f- uh, from either from the air or. Uh, uh, at the airport waiting for our yeah. flights but. it was either from the air or on the ramp in uh you know 80 80 knot winds um uh, while you know you and tyler were flying on the first day um or like you said from the train at the airport so yeah. but <clears throat> you know the highlight really you know being able to see those aircraft but also just just meeting with everyone at one time Mm-hmm. in in one location man it was just just the hangouts itself was just awesome yep it's it's again we've said this before but it's just a group of people with a very very strong common bond oh uh, yeah and yeah. people from all different walks of life and uh who who would definitely not you know find each other as friends in a normal situation so yeah and we we talked about that in the flight cast uh in mm-hmm. the live in the live podcast um yep. You know, that's the one thing that I've loved about Infinite Flight is that how it's bridged the gap over, you know, through the countries. I mean, we would, the friends that we've made since live has come out yeah. that we would not have made ever. I think that might so, have been in our uh, After Hours Roundtable that was immediately following our live podcast. So you can find that at flightcast.audio slash cafe. And we, our friend Chris Leipelt, who we got to meet for the first time uh Stephen and Tyler and I were able to go flying with him and his brother Owen and uh, Laura, uh, Infinite Flight developer, and uh, go for breakfast. And so I got to sit down with Chris and do a little interview and uh, 
put together a little feature featurette, I guess you could call it. It's a short little short film and that's available for like Cast Cafe for all subscribers. Yeah, that was pretty cool too, man. And, and and let's just, you know, let me just give a shout out to Wipeout man because, yeah. you know, he's he is, you know, such such a cool cat, man. He uh I I couldn't believe how, how old did he say he was? I think he's 15. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. You know, very mature for his age, man. Mm-hmm. So big shout out there and his excellent photography. What we have to to also do is make fun of him though because uh <laughs> he he accidentally uh did some controlling the other day on the training server instead of Oh god. The, yeah. <laughs> instead of the expert server. So Chris yeah, so... <clears throat> uh you're, Dumb you're lucky of the day right there. <laughs> yeah. Dumb of the day of yeah. one. You're lucky you're helpful. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and you're welcome. I went through and reversed the majority of the ghost, and but uh, <laughs> good lord, yeah, nice one, Chris. Uh, okay, San Francisco was awesome, um, and and there will be actually more content from me coming up in the coming weeks and months uh, in Flightcast yeah. Cafe. So take a look for that. And when's our next live recording? I don't know. Mark, I'd love to. I'd love to meet meet up at uh, Air Venture or Sun and Fun or something, and do something from there one of these days. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Oshkosh, Sun and Fun, Air Venture, uh, something like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, we we need to go ahead and start making plans for IF ModCon seventeen. We really do. Yeah, we we've got to start making plans on that. So not sure where it'll be yet, but uh, not sure. More to come. Yep. Mark, I have sort of some sad news to actually share. Uh, Bob Fisher is one of our guests today in part two of our Kit Plane episodes. You'll hear him talking about this uh, airplane of his, a Murphy Rebel, in the episode since it was pre-recorded. Sadly, the day part one of this series aired, Bob had a hangar fire, and his hangar, his airplane, his snowmobile, and a Cessna 172 uh, whose owner was renting space from him, were all completely destroyed in the fire. Wow, I know, man. That's so. Mm. I've sort of. I haven't really given people. I've. I've. I told some of our controllers, but I haven't really been giving people updates on it because I was waiting to talk to Bob. Um, and he said, "Yep, go ahead and and share and in whatever way you want." So our thoughts are with him, man. I mean, it's not like you know a, a person, but the uh, he he was uh, hoping to you know, fly that airplane forever. So yeah, I know, uh, man. And that's, you know, God, I, I can't, I can't even imagine. Uh, but seriously, you know, my heart goes out to them and, uh, you know, to him and to the other people that were involved, you know, with the 172. Yeah. Um, now fortunately, uh, nobody was hurt. Yes. Um, there was some, you know, smoke damage in nearby hangars, but, uh, all is well, uh, apart from Bob mourning the loss of his airplane, uh, but you know, that sort of sadness and, and, uh, crap, crappiness turns into a little bit of excitement as he now goes on the hunt for his next airplane. So, uh, I oh, think no. he's planning on heading to sun and fun with, uh, our friend cam and, uh, starting the hunt. So if anyone I, I, knows I of a, a rebel for him, yeah, I'm sure he's looking for one. Yeah. Another rebel. Uh, I, when we were in San Francisco, I, I think it was while, uh, I think it was while you, no, it was while Tyler was flying with Laura, uh, you were taking pictures of him and everything, but I went over, uh, Stephen and I were walking back and I met up with that guy that I took the pictures of in the uh, glass air. Yeah. Is that Palo, Palo Alto? Yeah. Palo Alto. And dude, that glass air is just sweet. Just an amazing, beautiful aircraft, 210 horsepower. Yes. Just beautiful. And it was IFR certified. FYI, just letting you know, Jason. <laughs> well, uh, I'll be, uh, can you make a, can you make a cub IFR certified? I think so. I'm, I don't see why not. I don't see why not. Um, the right equipment, right? I, yeah. I'm, didn't I send, I think I sent you a couple oh, links. Yes, you did. Yeah. You certainly did. There's a, a guy who has a blog and he, he basically wrote a story about his entire, uh, how he how he did that with a, a super cub i think yeah it was with a super cub yeah. that's right very cool yeah 
So anyway, we're thinking about you, Bob, and uh, we'll we're going to uh, hear from him in a minute. And uh, again, that episode, uh, the rest of this episode was pre-recorded, so uh, Bob will be joyfully talking about his Murphy Rebel in there. Yeah, and we'll have to we'll have to get him back on once he uh, once he finds another one. Yes, absolutely, good idea. Yeah. Oh, and one more thing uh, for Flightcast Cafe subscribers. I've been sort of, uh, I visited with our friend Glenn, who's in this episode once uh, since we recorded uh, the episodes and uh, at the hangar. And he's, <clears throat> we checked in with him as he's building his Zenith 801. And uh, we are going to go back and uh, possibly do a little time-lapse video of him uh, installing the wings. And so that'll be exciting. And uh w- he wants me to be around with my video cameras while we uh, while they fire up the engine for the first time as well. Oh, that'd be awesome! Yeah. And and watching him build that would be cool. You know, just for the experience. Of course, he'll probably have you help while you're standing there. But well, that's um, that's my hope anyway. Yeah, uh, and so that would be cool experience for you as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I what I'm afraid of is I'm going to get into the airplane building, catch the airplane building bug. But I just don't. I don't have the skill well, set. Ha- you have a wife that loves you and will support you and basically <laughs> knock you back into reality. That's right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and as will you. <laughs> yes, I'm here for yeah. that as well. Okay, cool. So, guys, we're going to get back into our kit plane series here, our real-world pilot series, I should say, and our kit plane episodes. This is part two, and if you missed part one, go back and listen to episode 41 on flightcast.audio or on iTunes, and you can hear from these guys uh, on how they got started into aviation, and if this seems like we're kind of jumping in partway into a conversation, it's because that's exactly what we're doing. Um, And so, yeah, if you missed it, head over to the website and listen to episode 41. Today we're welcoming back kit plane owners and private pilots, and almost private pilot again, uh, Cam Merch, Bob Fisher, and Glenn Suggett. These guys are joining us for part two, and uh, so glad you've been able to make time for us, guys. Welcome back to the show. Uh, so why don't we dive right into the questions, and uh, Bob, I want to talk some more about the Rebel. Um, you uh, have your... Uh, PPL, correct? Yep. And you are... With a seaplane. Uh, with a seaplane endorsement, endorsement or rating. Um, Just rub it in, why don't you? <laughs> yeah, Mark is uh, jealous over there. So am I. Um, as some of our listeners will know, I have one landing on floats in a Super Cub. And uh, ever since then, it's been just nagging at my heart. It, do- it won't but leave me alone. But you've got .9 in the logbook. I have point nine in, in a, and that's in a. Uh, I don't even remember what it's called anymore. Uh, it's a advanced ultralight that I flew out of uh, Edenvale, actually. Okay. Uh, I I didn't land or take off, but I do have some time uh, oh, actually one. logged. Yeah. There's a guy who does a Barry Flying Club out of there, and uh, <laughs> I, it was a birthday present that uh, my friend Ian and Carrie gave me. So, uh, so I've got a little bit of time, and then of course I've got unofficially I've got. Uh, uh, what about thirty or forty minutes in the uh, A three twenty, which is uh, a highlight for sure, bucket list yeah. item. Yeah, if you include it, well, of course. Now, if Jared was able to sign logbooks, yeah. yeah, well, it didn't happen, but that's okay. So yeah. uh, back to my question for Bob: You have a rebel on amphibs, correct? Right, that's correct. Uh, and you also have a <clears throat> wheel kit for that uh, with the big wheels on it. Yeah, or, the the, that work? the rebel. When I bought the Rebel, uh, as I didn't build it, I bought it. It had uh, a few hours on it, and it was on wheels. Okay. It did not have floats on it. But the Rebels are all built with float uh, attachment hardware so that you can put floats on them. They're sort of designed f- for floats. So I, I uh, bought par- a partly built set of amphibious floats and finished them off and then did all the rigging and put it all together right in the almost in the same year that I bought the plane I didn't fly it very much in the, as a wheel plane so that was always the plan then oh yeah always yeah, okay always because I'd had the amphibs previously all the rest of my yep. flying career um so I put it on amphib floats and they they're the Murphy Rebel amphibs which are a really well built 
float. They're they're quite light. They're not a they're not the kind of float you'd put on a 185, a real working float, because they're light. They're lightweight. But the, whatever's in them works good. I've got uh, 900 hours uh, of floats. float time on amphib time on those floats, hmm. and they're still working good. 900. 900. You know, you got to take them apart now and again, grease the bushings and that sort of thing, but they work great. So, so what's different? I, I've I've meant to ask you this every time I've seen you, but what's different about landing on water versus on the runway when you have floats on your airplane? Well, you have to make sure the gear's down. They say Important there's step. they say there's them that ha- has and them that will. <laughs> Are you and one I that have, has? I yeah. have, yes. I landed that uh, the uh, flying boat one time at Brantford Airport on runway 29 with the gear up. How'd that work out it for you? It made a lot of noise, and then it toppled over on its side because oh, no. it was a V-hole, and it just kind of did do a lot of damage. And well, that's it, good. Fortunately, it was a good landing. Not but. like those guys you see landing their diamond or their, or no, their, um, what's that, uh, there's a, a, a couple of French guys that landed a, a low wing aircraft of some kind, and uh, it was a Mooney, I think. Yeah, Mooney. Well, yeah, choose the problem. You know, and we've got a guy here. Yeah, we've yeah. got a guy here in Mobile who owns a Mooney. Well, he's owned like four or five now. Is that Doctor Death? Doctor Destructo. Oh, that's it. Um, yeah, the man. <laughs> the man. Listen, he he doesn't do any kind of pre flight. He is he's a doctor, and he does uh, moonlighting it. You know, in another city somewhere, and. Even ATC just basically clears the airspace for him. He he runs out. It doesn't matter if it's 20 degrees uh, or if it's 200 degrees. He runs out through the plane, no pre-flight, doesn't even check the fuel. Uh, I've seen him get in, fast taxi to the runway, throttle up to take off, abort takeoff, come back to the ramp, and get fuel. Um <laughs> He uh, he flew to a city just north of here, which I flown to for cross countries and stuff like that. Uh, landed gear up, which he's done multiple times. Landed gear up, had the crew there come out, jack the plane up, lower the gear, and pulled it into the ramp. Um, he goes into town, gets a hacksaw, cuts off the Q-tipped parts of the prop. <laughs> And flies it to Mobile. <laughs> that would be the most uncomfortable ride of your life. <laughs> and he still, yeah, I mean, and he'll he'll take off. And basically, what he does to take off, I guess he thinks he's on his own little air show. You know, he I don't even think he rotates. I think he just retracts the gear, you know, <laughs> just lifts up enough it's to get fine. the pressure off the gear, retracts them. So they're probably dragging the runway uh, to retract stays that level until the end and then pulls up normally with a 45 to a 60 degree bank away from the runway man and we're just you know we're all just sitting out there with popcorn waiting on this guy to crash because <laughs> we know it's going to happen sooner or later bob he's the type of guy that would stay off calm probably in an uncontrolled space and fly right across your nose yeah yeah he that's did. the problem yeah right after 9 11 he was flying back to mobile um, and this was while airspaces were still closed. He flies from an uncontrolled field to Mobile. They pinged him on radar, kept uh, on guarding him, no return calls in. And, of course, he, you know, they send out to intercept him. Uh, and here he comes flying in with two F-16s. No way. Uh, on t- yeah. And he said, my comms were out. Uh-huh. Were they out? <laughs> Or were Off. you just that much Off, of a yeah. dumbass you didn't turn them on? Yeah. That sounds like so, the latter. Exactly. And that uh, was all intentional. Well, do me a favor, Mark. Track down Dr. Destruction. I want to talk to him. Oh, good God. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, that's uh, an incredible uh, little segue in- into um, <laughs> the next question, maybe. <laughs> with nothing to do with the next question. But... Um, so Cam, we've we talked about this a little bit in episode one. How and th- and this sort of applies to Glenn as well, but uh, in different ways. But how beneficial has it been having Bob owning a rebel 
I mean, obviously, we heard that it was instrumental in you buying one. Uh, but how beneficial is it that he already owns one when you purpose, uh, purchased uh, Papa Kilo Echo? Well, it's key. I mean, there, yeah. there was I didn't know what to look for and what I was interested in or what I needed. Or he sort of said, "Well, what sort of mission do you want to have?" You know, I don't need to go anywhere fast. Um, two seats are fine. And, and Bob's Rebel looked pretty sweet, and I went for a couple of flights in that. And uh, Hey, two seats mean you got room for me? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, Jason's always just kind of punching that in there. Every yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah, it. Every, yeah. You got Every a jump time. seat? Yeah. Put me in it. <laughs> I, if y'all have room in the cargo bin, I'll go. Yeah. That's Jason. Yeah. I probably wouldn't even have a plane or my license without Bob. How about key, that? Key. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Really, I enjoyed every bit of it. All the, the, the finding the airplane, the flying, the practicing, the getting the, his plane flying, and then doing the tail dragger thing quite a bit in the first year. I got yeah. a lot of hours in yeah, on yeah. the left seat of his plane, yeah. of, of Cam's plane. Nice. Just, which was good for me because mine was on Amphibs. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> And yeah. speaking of me being in the in the right seat, if you guys haven't already, if you head to youtube.com slash flightcast audio, there's a little feature film. It's also on the homepage of our website, flightcast.audio, of uh, Cam and I doing some flying in the Murphy Rebel. So you can have a look at Papa Kilo Echo and hear us chatting away. But uh, See yeah. go around. Yeah. Well, watching us. I've never, we've never gone around with me in the airplane. Maybe I'm a good luck charm. Yeah. We've bounced a little. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's all part of all part of how, the fun. How did you let Jason land? That's what I need to know. Oh gosh, no, no. Yeah, I don't no. blame you. How did he do flying? Of course, to he him, did. he did, he 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 just says he's he was awesome. He's a natural at it. But I want to hear it from you. <laughs> no, it, never yeah, said that. It, it's it's fine. I mean, Jason did a little bit of flying, and he was taking pictures all over the place and working the cameras and the radio and stuff. Um, Multitasker. But the Rebel is an easy flying plane. It really it's is. very stable. Yeah. Um, you know, people who go up in it say, you know, this is this isn't hard at all. You can you can fly for half an hour with your uh, feet and hands off the. Yeah. Off You've the got controls. a little trim trim tab in there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Electronic. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the flaps are not electronic. You've got no. an like yeah, a, a, a upside down emergency brake yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. for your flaps and then we actually came in the first time we came in for a landing when uh, Cam took me flying he showed me where the flaps were and everything and, and kind of all around the airplane and then we came in on final and he's not using flaps so I'm thinking okay he's coming in well, that was Edenville yeah yeah. He, he, well yeah we were going into Edenville for lunch uh, and he said uh, I said or we, we landed and I thought to myself okay he's got a reason for coming in clean just forgot. <laughs> yeah, just we were forgot. talking about something, and that's <laughs> sterile cockpit. That's <laughs> which. That's, yeah, he said sterile cockpit. So I, he, I said, I'm. I said he's not using flaps, but he must have a good reason. I'm not opening my mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Forgot. I mean, who needs a checklist? You know, I mean, just just fly. But and 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 I did the same thing though in a 172. I mean, our runway is just under six grand, I think. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. And I rarely use flaps. Unless yeah. I've got traffic behind me and I need to exit the runway fast or something. But other than that, I just, you know, in a 172, and I'm sure the Rebel's the same way. I mean, you can just have a little bit more speed and land. Well, you don't sure. use flaps for slow flight either, Mark. Yeah, my instructor, who I believe flew with the Wright brothers, taught me how to do slow flight <laughs> without flaps. Mm-hmm. And it was only when I did my simulated check ride when he's like, what about your flaps? And I'm like, what about them? <laughs> So he goes and dumps all 25 degrees at one time, and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so you got to go through and adjust the trim all over again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I it, should say I, I'm I'm giving Cam a hard time, but uh, I feel very safe oh, yeah. <laughs> when, I'm, yeah. when I'm in his airplane. He's a good pilot. I was talking, sorry if I may yeah, interrupt, go. about the flaps on landing. I've lately, well, the last six, eight months, been landing with just one notch of flaps. I was talking to an instructor a while ago, and he said, if you do have to do a go-around, that's one less thing to configure for your go-around. Yep. You can take off, and a lot of people do take off with uh, one notch of flaps, and yep. it's it's not going to be a problem. 
at the other end if you did have to do a go around. And it's not like a, a 172 or, or something where you've got a button you can just put your thumb on. Yeah. You've got to reach up and, and yeah. grab the handle and squeeze it and move it. And, and it's good to be in practice landing no flaps like in a Cessna. What if that motor didn't work yeah. or your electrics mm-hmm. were out and you had to land and you've never landed yeah. without who is it? Who is it that his mantra is, I will lose an engine on this flight. What do I do? You were telling me you... Uh, yeah, uh, or you, you set up your landing that you are going to go around. Right. For instance, right. something like that. So you, you plan for a go yep. around, and if you land and there's no issues, then call it a day. But yep. you have in the back of your mind that you know a go around is very possible or yep. probable. And, um, you know, <laughs> other people say, you know, when you, when you when you go flying, as soon as you take off, the insurance company owns the, the airplane then. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of people kill themselves. I shouldn't say that, but a lot of people do trying to save the airplane instead of themselves. Right. You know? Yep. Go between two trees and take the wings off, but you live, you know? Yes. Yeah. That's hang it up in the hang yeah. it up in the forest is or better whatever. than putting yeah. it into the ground, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's one thing I love about my instructor. Um he he taught me a lot of stuff that number one CFIs don't teach today because mm-hmm. your first couple of hours nowadays, a CFI is trying to impress you with their flying mm-hmm. and their knowledge uh, because most of them are just so young now. Um, but he taught me a lot of things that are not in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, how would you steer if you lost aileron control? Yeah. Um, you know, how would, uh, you know, he, he taught me how you could use the doors to actually steer the plane. Uh, things like before, if you had to make an emergency landing, pop open the doors right before you touch down. Yep. That way, good you know, advice. They don't jam. Stick a shoe in yeah. it. Yep. Lots you of drag then, you... right? No, no, That way, if, if oh, the plane buckles and it jams the doors, and you can't get out. Got it. Yeah. So yeah, with the doors open, you you at least got have an exit. So yeah. he taught me a lot of things that number one, you don't read in any manual. Uh, and, and two, most CFIs don't teach. He taught me how to do forward slips. Now I know that they teach slips, but he made me do them over and over and over again, which paid off in my check ride, um, where I had to perform a forward slip. It's the only way the Gimli glider made it. Mm -hmm. Uh, guys, Google the Gimli glider. It's an awesome uh, story of a air Canada. 767 landing at an abandoned airstrip they were using for uh, go-kart races that yeah, day. Yeah. Uh, and the only reason he landed it successfully, very successfully actually, mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of nose gear not working, not his fault, um, was that he had to slip that thing in there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with no power. Yeah. And yep. with my instructor, you know, he was 65 years old and been instructing 40 years and, and we did spins, you know, nice. all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we did all that. Uh, graveyard spirals. I'm yeah. I'm probably oh, yeah. just as comfortable in a graveyard spiral uh, as I am in straight and level flight. Sure. Well, that's... Just because he beat it into my head and made mm-hmm. me do things over and over and over yeah. again. Yeah. Being yeah. proficient, not legal kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Okay, let's move on. So, Glenn, um, <laughs> we had you on the last episode. You are currently building a Zenith 801. Uh, it's a kit plane, and uh, we're going to get to talking about that in a second are you into flight simulators no okay so what i'm going to do is i'm going to hand you my ipad um this is a 172 i'm going to set you up with infinite flight here uh, there's there's no other airplanes around you're in a you're in a you're going to be at you have san francisco international all to yourself i'm going to start you off on two eight right with no wind you uh when you oh, calibrate no it you're going to hold it the way you want to hold it mark pipe down and uh <laughs> And then hit calibrate. I'll show you how. And then that'll be your straight and level. And then if you tilt it forward, you go down. If you tilt it up. And then you'll have your throttle on the right. So I'm gonna uh, mark. Why don't you and uh, why don't you and talk to, talk to the these left, guys about something? And I'm gonna show Glenn how to use this thing. And then we're gonna check in with him in a minute. That's like the blind leading the blind with Jason giving flight instructions on something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Mark, Mark's the only one allowed to make fun of me around here, just so you guys know. Uh, Can I put machine guns on my plane? Like well, if we, it's only like for farm machinery, or like old farm machinery and stuff? We do have fighter jets, but I'm going to start you off in the 172. Oh, okay. and, the, and uh, Well, you and Glenn would really get along well, Mark. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Uh, um, yeah, ask one of these guys a question that's been burning on your mind. Why don't you, Mark? 
Mark, Mark, let me yes. say something about let me say something. The difference between the Murphy Rebel, all Murphy Rebels and this 172, there's one thing that's significant. You know, in many respects, the flight envelope is the same, but our planes don't float as long really? as a 172 because they're a 30 30 foot or 31 foot wingspan versus your 36 feet. That makes a huge difference when you're coming yeah. in, coming in, uh, uh, and you you want to get on the ground. Ours tend to get on the ground when we want them there, where the 172 will float for a ways down the runway. Oh yeah. So very little ground effect, I guess. Yeah, there's some ground effect, but it's not yeah. significant. I've flown got lots of hours in 172s and archers and all of that ilk, and uh, that is one thing that is different. Yeah, I know when I when I uh, did my instruction, uh, was going through my lessons and everything. They're like, do you, you know, which one do you want to fly in? Well, I'm not going to get in a 152. That's just not even going to happen, unless like Jason uh, referenced earlier, I put one ass cheek in the left and one ass cheek in the right, and then the CFI is just instructing me from the ground. Um, the um, then we had a trauma hawk, or most people know as tomahawks. Yep. Um, but the trauma hawk. I didn't want to fly it. Number one, so it's just a touching the bra brakes puts them on. Can I'm just not a T-tail fan. If, yeah, if Never that, have been. That's your emergency. Uh, but I wanted the oh, 172, okay. and so that's what I did all my instruction in. Um, mm -hmm. And absolutely, absolutely love it. Okay. So it's it, it, it's like nothing else, man. Uh, one of these days when I own mine, I'll definitely have to make a little cross country trip up north. A little. <laughs> Yeah. It'd be a good, uh, probably if, uh, 2,000, 2,500 miles. If you like the 172, if I was you and you're uh, uh, heavy enough that it makes it worthwhile carry, having the 172, I'd get a, I'd get a 180 horse 172, if at all possible, because that makes a oh, really, yeah. really nice airplane. Yes, it does. A lot of power. Um, the one that I flew uh, most uh, during my training, and actually it's the one that... Um, I had most of my time in until it uh, it was time for TBO and uh, they had it sit down on the ramp and a storm destroyed it. Hmm. Um, oh. It had a, it had a one I think it had a one fifty or one sixty horse in it, uh, and then a buddy of mine owns one that I've got a lot of time in, um, and it it has a one sixty. But I've flown a, a hundred and eighty horse, and mm -hmm. yes, you're right, it, it makes a huge difference. So if I did get one. I would definitely have a newer model, something with 180 horse at least in it. It's just amazing. It's better for floats too. Oh yeah, the one, you, the 180 you, horse is. Oh, oh for yeah. sure, way better. You yeah, don't. So, uh, the the thing with the uh, you can get an old you can get an old 172, and there's an SD, STC for the 180 horse, so it's it's a really nice uh, option to have. And then you don't have to spend the money on the new plane, the new version, which is a 0360 with a derated 260 horse, but has a still 180 horse torque. Yeah. So that's the the secret is the torque. That's actually, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a really good suggestion. So, yeah, I mean, whenever I do get my own plane, the 180 horse is something that I would probably go. I'm the same way with anything. I mean, like with a boat. Um, you know, if, when I had my bass boat, I want the max horsepower that that boat's rated for right i don't want you know as little i want what the max is uh, rated for so i'd be the same with the plane but definitely uh definitely be doing that for sure how's it going over there glenn touch you haven't you haven't crashed yet no have you gotten off have you even throttled up yet oh yeah he's in the air i think unless he's mm -hmm. just pretending he is with the brakes on on the ground bogeys 12 o'clock no. <laughs> Oh, let me tell you. Well, that's a story for another time. That's yep. kind of a long let's story. Let's move on. Uh, guys, Let's. while well, he's flying there, let's mm -hmm. talk about tailwheel flying. Um, is it uh, – how did I word this question? Oh, so it, is the tailwheel flying – Is that was that appealing to you before owning the Rebel, and did it influence your decision on that airplane? Tailwheel flying is great. It's uh, it it requires that the pilot is more precise in his circuits and his approaches, especially and his ground handling, than with a uh, nose wheel airplane. 
and the, and then you have the advantage that if you have a tailwheel plane, you can have big t- big wheels on it, and you can come in all kind of crummy grass strips that you can't do with the amphibs, yep. or you can't do with nosewheel planes. So from that point of view, there's quite a few advantages that like on a, for slow cross country stuff where you want to go from little airport to little airport, sometimes grass strips. Our um, one of our Infinite Flight developers, Laura, she owns a. Oh, am I allowed to say, Mark, what kind of airplane she owns? Maybe not. I uh, I would not. No. Um, no, but it's a it's a smaller aircraft and um, it, it's you know high wing, mm-hmm. two seater, and um, she would say tailwheel flying is the only flying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, she's even told me I'm not a real pilot because yeah. I'm not tailwheel indoors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but big fan, right? It's like yep. that you you got to know how to land in a tailwheel air- aircraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam, what about you? Is that something? Because you learned in the 152. Mm-hmm. Learned in the 152, and um, you hear stories about tailwheel pilots, and you know you end up being better in both, and it's hard to convert. Um, I thought it would be kind of cool to learn right from the get-go in a tailwheel like people did. 50 years ago, yeah, there were no tricycle gears. That didn't work out. But um, with a good instructor, um, and you understand what's happening with the with the center of gravity, you know, and how you landing landing in a in a slip or whatever you need to do to get, get it down. Um, yeah, I, I, it's a lot of fun, you know. Yeah, it is. You've talked to me about um, three-point mm-hmm. landings. So mm-hmm. the goal there is to pretend, really pretend the tailwheel doesn't exist, I think is what you, uh, or what, am I getting that wrong? You're touching all three wheels at the same time. Okay. Okay, so you're landing in the attitude that it sits on the ramp. Okay, and are you trying, so you're literally thinking, I need to land all three wheels, or like that sounds impossible. The, are you trying to land it on the tail? Or you, Some like, people think of landing the tailwheel first. Okay. It won't, but it'll stall right there okay. in that configuration. Um, it's, it's weird because in a Cessna, you're coming in and you flare. You're in that same configuration. It's right. just then your, your nose wheel comes down. In a three-point landing, you're coming in, you're, you're level, and then you, you pull back and you get into your landing configuration, just wait, and it, and it settles onto the runway in, in mm-hmm. three in the three-point attitude in the in the wheel landing uh, i haven't done much of that at all bob has but there's a the fellow i rent the hangar from he does wheel landings all the time because then he says every landing to him is like a glassy water landing he's just coming in on mm. two wheels and he just kisses it right on and he said at night uh or you know tricky conditions you're a little faster but you are um with with a long enough runway, you know you're 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 coming in, and it's uh, yeah, he, it, he prefers it that. It takes a, it takes more runway. Yes, it does. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, same with a glassy water too, right? Yeah. You're, you're well, taking you tons lot, and tons lots of space. Of water to get yeah. down. Yeah. And and speaking of that, Bob, you've got the the Rebel on floats, as we mentioned last episode, amphibs. And so when you're landing on, we we got a little bit of tips, and then we got distracted before. You said the main point is put your gear down. And then we went off on a tangent after that. But what what do you have to, because the landing would be very different than on, no, it's with not. the tailwheel, no? No, with the tailwheel, yes. Right. Absolutely. Not I different than on the water, though? The question is uh, runway versus water Yes. on amphibs. There's not a whole lot of difference there other than the gear being down. Okay. Because you come in at the, it's essentially the same attitude. You come in essentially the same speed, and uh, you just try and kiss it down on the main gear on the runway yeah. and at the at the step and the floats on the water okay and if you do it right in either case and for me it's easier to do it on the water i can come in the water seven times out of ten and, and grease it on yeah. uh, i can't seem to do it as much on on the wheels on the run at the runway but the amphib uh, wheels on the amphib yeah. wheels okay. yes yes but uh you know everything else about it is the, is the same Okay. It's uh, it it's not. People think it's difficult. It is not difficult to to land a seaplane. This in normal conditions. There's a lot more things after after you're on the water, vis-a-vis taxiing, vis-a-vis wind and no yep. brakes and all, and coming right. up to docks and a thousand things that 
that you could talk about. Yeah. But just the out, just the flat out landing is very similar. Hmm. Well, see, the thing that uh, I would, you know, you were talking about, you can, you feel like you can land easier on the water than what you do on, you know, on a runway. To me, would I, I would think the biggest adjustment would be to get used to that height difference with having the gear down. But than but, what you do on the water. But Mark, on our planes. You know what the when when the gear comes down, there's not more than uh, four inches at the most between really? gear down and gear up on the water when you land on the so water. It's hard. The sight uh, there there's no difference. That's compared to uh, as a tail dragger where there is a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Your airplane. I've seen it at the ramp on on floats, <laughs> which is a strange sight to see a, a float plane sitting there at the ramp outside the cafe. Um, it's way it's way it's up, up there, there. yeah it's uh, up know, there it looks like it's well, sitting on stilts but that same thing applies whether it's stilts yeah, or yeah. and the other thing too is interestingly taking off i can take off faster on land than on water simply because i can rotate further when you rotate mm. you on land you you've got that four inches sticking down with the gear and so you can rotate before the tail of the floats would have hit the ground yeah Whereas if you rotate on water, you 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 just sort of pull the the backs of the floats into the water, and then you slow down. Yeah, it's kind of funny, but I, yeah. in either case, it gets off. My plane gets off real quick anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. awesome. It, is it is it similar to like when you're when you're taking off from the water? Uh, you know, like in a boat, uh, when you throttle up. Yep. Of course, you get that high pitch first. Yep. Uh, but then it settles in as they say you're coming out of the hole. Um, is it is it similar um, in in uh, in, an, in a float plane uh, to where you almost got to get that suction off of the floats or yep does that absolutely make step it, the hydrodynamics yeah. are almost the same it's just as soon as you get going faster the boat never gets lighter but the plane does as you get going faster because the wings are taking some of the weight. But the, at the beginning where there's no uh, lift from the wings, you just plow your way up. It, it goes up quickly, and then you, you level off, and, and then you, you position it so, so that you're on the, what they call the sweet spot on the floats, where the front, front is not stuck in the, in the water, nor is the back stuck in the water. And some, some floats have a wider sweet spot than others. Our floats are kind of narrow, so you have to be sure that you're, you're crossing the water for those remaining few seconds on that sweet spot, which is maybe five or six degrees up, hmm. and then it just takes off. It's, it's, for, my, for, for me, I'd probably end up having to put, uh, whether I'm in a 172 or a 206 float plane, I may be the only one flying around with wing floats on it just to make sure, <laughs> you know, to keep it stable. <laughs> All right, Glenn, have you managed to complete a circuit yet? I'm just doing that. Okay, yeah. I gotta ask you some questions, so we're okay. gonna have to put the toy away pretty soon. Okay, uh, there you go. <laughs> how was it? Um, I found it interesting um, from the point of view of you know the visuals, but uh, the controls are very sensitive. So I would say it differs in um, like it's more like a video game than maybe what you would find flying. Yeah. Yep. So so. Um, I won't tell yeah, the developers it, you said it, that. Yeah, so well, it's, it's, it's more it's like, hard uh, to have that like if I, I know if I, 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 if I, you know, if I, I put in Erlen input, I'm not going to get that kind of bank or radical changes in speed and stuff. So right, I'm going to just bring it in for a landing here at uh, SQL. Um, so Glenn, from what I could see on their website, Zenith does. It, now I saw a couple tail draggers, but is that a custom, a custom sort of thing, or is that not? Was I not seeing their aircraft, maybe? You were seeing their aircraft. You were seeing the 701. So earlier on, I mentioned that I'd gone to look at a 701 kit. And in fact, was a tail dragger. Okay. Right? It was partly completed. So yeah. they still offer that as an option, but uh, I don't think a lot of people take it. So Okay. And um, this is, is, a, is a tail dragger. Is that something that was, you know, appealing to you or did it? I guess having been a fan of this thing for so long, it, that w- really wasn't on your radar, I guess. Well, um, quite frankly, being a low-time pilot, not, not a lot of hours, I, I was scared of tail draggers. You know, like, yeah, sure. Uh, usually, you, ground loop! Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> you know, yeah. there's going to be trouble, you know. And, yeah. and um, 
you know, having flown both with Bob and, and Cam, they're, they're, they're pretty good at it. And there are advantages to having a, a tail dragger. But uh, one of the things I like about the particular um, kit that I'm building, the 801 and the 701, is, uh, I mean, rugged gear on it, mm-hmm. big tire. So it's made for for uh, rough landings, it, you know. And, it and does so, look like a robust. Oh, man, you should Jeep. see the gear. It's, solid, yeah, it's a Jeep, man. yeah. It's, it's a solid. Plane. It's yeah. solid, man. Mm-hmm. So. And so let's talk about that. Um, it, it's got the, the wings don't actually attach to the fuselage all the way the entire depth. There's this like, gap at the front of the wings. Not necessarily a gap. I think they call it the wing root. And it's uh, a place where it's it, it looks like the wing gets narrower. And in fact, it does. But I mean, structurally, of course, it's... Uh, is there a reason for that? Um, I don't know if there is or not. I, I just it's know that that's... It's a pretty telling characteristic. If I see is. that again, I'll say, right. oh, I know exactly what that airplane but, is. But, you know, of course, the roof is, is uh, you know, transparent, too. They have, like, a window mm-hmm. on the roof, too. So there's very good visibility. So that might help with the, the visibility. Oh, sure. sure. And it might have been, uh, you know, the designer uh, designer's uh, desire to do that when he did it. And... Um, it also has uh, leading edge slats on it. And no way. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. And flaperons. Oh, cool. Which is the same as the beaver. Yeah. So in other words, uh, the wow. airlons and the flaps come down at the same, same And the rebel. And the rebel. Most and the rebel did too. Really? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Cams is an exception. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, I was going to say, you don't have flaperons. But I do. You do. Yeah. Bob does. Okay. And the original design was flaperons. Okay. Yeah. And interestingly enough... Uh, you would think with such a uh, low stall speed, you know, 38 miles an hour, that the 701 is 32 mile per hour, the stall speed, that uh, it would glide forever. But actually, their sink rate is quite is is yeah. it's greater because so, of the weight, maybe. Or? Uh, no, I don't think it's the weight. It has to do with the the airfoil. I think yeah, the wing. Yeah, the, the aerodynamics are it's, are different. It's not a clean plane. Neither neither, neither are ours. Yeah. And they uh, so when you you don't have that. Uh, 10 to 1 glide ratio. Ours is, you know, you look down between your feet, they say, and that's where you're going <laughs> to land. It's not quite that bad. You, you no. look right down there at 45 degrees, and that's where you you should be aiming. Okay. So I'm looking forward to the distance when I actually get to fly that, you know, when I'm coming into land to see what the sink rate's like, what, what my glide's like to come into land. So. Let's chat again after you've been flying it for a while. Yeah, that's right. We'll have you back on the show, and uh, hopefully we can get, I'll, I'll be out at the airport with my video camera. Uh, and taking some pictures. So, uh, guys, I'm going to skip the uh, skip number five because uh, mm-hmm. we have to move on here. So, are there uh, talk about briefly uh, any any aviation heroes or who's inspired you as you've kind of been along this journey, Cam? I know you have lots of podcasters and YouTubers, and obviously yeah. Bob yeah. <laughs> has been yeah. huge uh, for you. Um, anybody that comes to mind that that has been like a really key influencer on this crazy journey of yours? I don't have anyone like you have your grandfather, you know? I don't have anyone like you have your grandfather, right, you right. know, to, yep. to look up to and a hero, an aviation hero. But you look around at, at very interesting people who are pilots. Um, we have another friend, George Ryder. He's 90 yes. years old and still flying. Still flying, you know. On his own strip. Yeah, yeah. And, and you think, wow, that's, that's very cool. So yeah. that's it. Yeah. Cool. Anybody for you, Bob, or was this just? Well, sort of a- I, I think we all at every airport. Sort of, I took all my formative time at at the Brantford Airport. Okay, and uh, that was there was several people over there who were instrumental in making sure that kept me in, pumped up, enthused, and whatnot. When I was a little bit, you know, you get down sometimes sure. as you're taking your lessons. It's not going so good, and they take you up for a flight and get you re-pumped up. And uh, and then there was some people. Once I got my license. Down in Georgia, uh, there was a guy called Brian, and uh, he was amazing. He he gave me my first tail dragger training, and he he was a man who'd been in an accident and got badly burnt uh, in an airplane accident oh, earlier wow. on, but he was still training or teaching. He was an instructor, and he was so cool. Like he he just uh, I thought the world of Brian Brian because he did he was like one of those laid back cool guys. Uh, with with uh, uh, a very very humble way about him, mm-hmm. and and taught me gave me my tail dragger training on a champ, on a, nice. on a champ. So that that was uh, as far as uh, 
guys uh, like the famous people we all read about, the Lindberghs and the yeah. Jaegers and all that. I don't know. They were they're kind of removed from us. Mm-hmm. Sure. But, uh, and you, real briefly, you uh, we mentioned helicopters before the episode started. Um, you have an interest in... I've always had an interest rotor- in helicopters, and I almost bought a Rotaway uh, 160 about right uh, maybe seven years ago. I almost bought one that the guy couldn't fly anymore for health reasons, and I should have bought it. I kicked myself for it. But the truth of the matter is my wife says, Dish, I don't want you flying a helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) What you're doing now is risky enough. Yeah. (laughs) So it was like... Mm, okay. we, Mark and I interviewed our friend Jesse, who's a uh, he flies everything: helicopters, jets, light aircraft, and whatever anything that's got uh, wings or no or not no wings, wings. Yeah. <laughs> or a rotor. A rotor. Um, but I said, so you you know, with a with a, a helicopter is basically, especially the big ones, it's just a an en- an engine rattling itself apart, uh, yeah. and and you know, at least with an airplane, you're a glider if your engine cuts. And he disagreed with me on that one. He said, ah, it's a case with a helicopter, too. Um, there are ways to glide yourself to safety. Auto-rotate, sure. Auto-rotate, yeah. Um, well, keep me in the loop with that. I would love to. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of in that other camp. I, uh, and Mark, too. We just, it's just not. It seems like you're either a helicopter person or you're not. They, I, I have no interest. I've been in them. Well, I think they're like, cool. I love the, them. Uh, helicopters are great. But I'm a fixed wing pilot. I, 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 I just, I like watching them from afar. There you go. And you know, and and so many people have told me, even helicopter pilots, just the helicopters don't fly. They basically scare the ground out from under them. That's how they get <laughs> off the ground. So, Bob's okay. expression on that one was great. <laughs> one thing, one thing for sure about. Uh, general aviation helicopters, that's the small ones that any of us normal people could afford, they are nothing but a toy. You you can't use them for work. We t- we can take our planes, and we do regularly, all summer long. We get in the plane, load it up, fly to Quebec, go fishing, uh, stock lakes with fish, go to Elliott Lake or Bark Lake and go fishing again and, spend, and, and use the plane to to move around and repair things and help the camp owners and then fly back. And that's a, typically 160 miles, we'll say. Okay. But, and you can do that at 100 miles an hour. Whereas, and you can have fuel enough to do that at 100 miles an hour, like carry five hours of fuel. But a helicopter, they're so limited on their time in the air, the amount they can carry, uh, they're not like the big hydro helicopters that are used for a specific purpose a small two-seat r22 or a four-seat r44 is just a toy yeah and so it it it's not really that's for the people that can't afford the bell jet ranger 206 right Right. but yeah and and i'm a fixed-wing pilot like you know everybody knows and but my son for whatever reason loves the h60 blackhawk he loves helicopters <laughs> so how in the hell a fixed wing pilot raises a rotor wing <laughs> fanatic is beyond me that's god's vengeance mark and that's <laughs> jesse tells me well he's just compensating for my mistakes and i'm just like <laughs> oh man uh i'm gonna pause real quick fish you gotta go oh uh, shortly Okay, so we just finished the last finish, community sure, questions? Yeah, sure. Okay, okay, we'll, we'll rip through them. Mark, have you heard of Live Flight for Infinite Flight? Yeah, man. I've used it to track flights and to see which regions and airports are busy before, you know, planning my flight. Right. Well, as you probably know, a new version of Live Flight is now available at liveflightapp.com. This new version is better than ever and has been rebuilt from the ground up. With a new design, more flight stats, a search feature, and airport information, tracking and planning your flight is easier than ever. Oh, man, I know. And now with the new downloadable KML files, you can download your flight data to any Earth browser, such as Google Earth. It's so cool. Absolutely. And if that wasn't enough, you can now subscribe to Live Flight Horizon, a new service for only $1.99 a month that provides real-time, worldwide airport information, such as weather, runway data, and charts. 
It also allows you to search for flights, active ATC frequencies, and airports. And as a Live Flight Horizon subscriber, you'll also get much longer online sessions, and you'll be helping Cam to keep developing and improving this great app. So guys, make sure you head over to liveflightapp.com to give it a try, and also subscribe to Live Flight Horizon. It will make your infinite flight experience so much better. Live Flight is now available in the App Store for iOS. And now back to the podcast. So, guys, let's get to some community questions. In our last episode, we uh, got to some of them, and then we saved some for this time. So, um, Tristan is asking, when put in comparison with regular GA aircraft, do kit aircraft provide any benefits or disadvantages that are not posed by GA aircraft? So he's thinking specifically in regards to cost, aircraft technology, weight, and performance, etc. So we've talked about some of those things already in the last episode. Um, but in terms of maybe technology, you guys have already said, you know, you want a glass cockpit, you get a glass cockpit, you want to do whatever to it. Cam, you put in a new uh, or sort of a homemade uh, angle of attack yeah. uh, indicator. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. Um, so really, you can do whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I'd say you're probably, in terms of cost anyway, you're more free to, to yeah. do whatever you want. You, you could do whatever you're inclined to do, um, but the onus is on yourself to be safe. Right. You know, um, if you don't have the inclination, you're not interested in mechanics and how things work, then maybe a, a kit plane isn't for yeah. you. You know, a lot of people just want to drive up, hop in a plane and go and um, leave the maintenance to somebody else. I don't know. My thinking is if you know your plane inside out, like Glenn is talking about, then um, your plane is in a safer condition. It's maintained more regularly. If you see something wrong, you don't wait for the next inspection. You you do it. You fix it. it. And uh, you understand your plane and you're a safer pilot. It's going to be a better trip. And Glenn, how do you feel about that? You're the one building right now, and so this is an airplane that you're gonna, you know, give me a seat in a in a seat in the sky, and thanks to yourself. So, how do you feel about that? Like, is it is it, uh, or how do your loved ones feel about well, that? It, I, I don't. Linda hasn't said she wants to come with me, really, but <laughs> but I think yeah. we'll ease into that. Yeah, sure. But you know, Bob covered uh, so much of that, and we talked about uh, maintenance and costs yeah. and all that. You know, and what you're in, and so did Cam. So um, they've covered that. But so I'm excited and a little scared because I mean I don't have a lot of time. In here. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna have to be really comfortable, comfortable there, and I will be. You know, I know when that comes along, and I'm and I'm got a few hours uh, doing some circuits and. Yeah. It'll be it'll be just just great, and there'll be that uh, sense of exhilaration when I'm going places or doing sure. things. It always has been. Yeah. By the way, I've been in a Black Hawk helicopter. Oh, really? Yes, I worked overseas really? in Iraq for a year, and uh, and we flew out in a Black Hawks. I've been in a Chinook. At, the Canadian military? Oh, really? No, uh, on a U.S. military base. Yeah. Oh, wow. Once we flew from Mosul to to Crit on a Black Hawk, and the guy uh, decided to do a little. Uh, I'm not going to call it stunt flying, but kind of like nape of the land up and down and you know and it, it was it was really fun it those was, things are was, powerful yeah that black hawk they was are. incredible yeah wow so. very cool um so yeah i mean i think what i've learned over these two episodes it, it, the most is that your your community really is the important piece with kit flying mm-hmm. building a kit you know a, a kit plane in your basement or wherever um, is well and good, but it sounds like the the really fun part is being able to bounce ideas off of each other and hanging out and you know over we saw Cam and I saw at Edenvale they've got just a, a plethora oh sure a whole bunch of people building kits yeah. kit airplanes or yeah. or maintaining them or yeah. um, that to me sounds really like the the great part about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy on the forum named uh, Flying Kiwi asked in a much more colorful way than this, um, have any of you heard any stories of something going wrong in flight because someone didn't assemble the airplane correctly? Because I prefer it, not to remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, not necessarily assembling the airplane incorrectly, but uh, because... Because the plane is a home built, there's some things that aren't as carefully engineered in some cases. I had a, a in that flying boat I was talking about, the coot, I had a propeller break. 
in the early 90s over Michigan on the way to Oshkosh. Okay. 3,200 feet. The About a foot and a half broke off the propeller. Well, of course, then the engine's completely imbalanced, and I had to shut it down and had to find a field to get down in, which fortunately I found a field that was only 1,500 feet long, but I got it down on the field uh, without damaging anything. And then the helicopters came, the police came, the FAA yeah. came, the, everybody and his brother was there, the <laughs> media came. But at the end of the day, it turned out to be a, quite an interesting experience. I got my wife to bring a spare propeller down from Canada and, uh, and then left uh, with permission from the firemen and the police. I couldn't get out of the strip but they let me go up to the nearest road. Unfortunately, that's a low-wing airplane. And the road didn't have any mailboxes for about a half a mile. Are you serious? And uh, so, so they let me take off in the evening just before, like when I finally got it all fixed up and together. And I took off on the two-lane road. Get out of and, here. And then flew back to, to Sarnia. They landed, uh, landed back in Sarnia. Yeah, on the water. No, it was an amphibious. So oh, oh land. Got everything it, got was it. everything okay. was land here. Yeah, both landings. Wow. But that was uh, you asked the question, and that's really the only thing that's happened to me in thirty years of doing this that broke, and it was a propeller that only had forty hours on it. So it wasn't so that like wasn't an old your fault. It wasn't an old propeller. It just cracked and broke, and that was because of the the engine mounted above, and the support for the engine makes dirty air come past it and the dirty air hits the propeller and loads and unloads it every single revolution ah. so it's much harder on a propeller than a propeller that's a tractor propeller in front got it okay uh mac gamer zero four and this is our last question asked how often do you try and fly your plane so that's an interesting question for someone who lives in northern ontario or i guess we're central so I'm still at the stage where I pick and choose my days and have personal limits that they have to be fixed for me. And, and a lot of uh, better pilots will say, you know, you're a safe pilot if you stick to your limits and not think, oh, well, the, the crosswind's just another five knots, you know, sure. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll try it or watch this, you know, kind of thing. Um, well, there are old pilots yeah, and, and bold pilots. Old, but not... Old, no bold, old bold yeah. pilots. So as far as how often, it sort of is dependent on weather and, and different things. But uh, Bob flies more than I do. But last year I got in 40, 45 hours. So, yeah. Okay. That That's more how we think of it. It's not how often. It's total how much time. Sure. Yeah. And Bob, you're doing... I did. I got 76 hours last week. I've got as high as 98. But we certainly fly once or twice a week, almost all year, but in the middle of winter. And then it's when there's weather. You said last week. Do you mean last month? Last no, year? No, hours. It was last year. Last year. Did I say last week? Yeah. yeah. Like, so wow, I'm you mistaken. flew all week. <laughs> one year. One, yeah. one year. year. Okay. Yeah. And that's a, for a private pilot, that 76 hours is yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah, that's pleasure flying. It's not pleasure. working Nobody's as a job. paying yeah. anything. Yeah, you're paying your own gas. You're paying your own gas. And so. But in the Rebel, you guys can mix your gas and put in some. Yeah. Yeah, we don't much gas. though. Mostly no. we use. I, I use at, mostly ninety percent av gas. Okay. Occasionally, I put in a bit of high test, but not much. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Cam uses almost all. Yeah. High hundred percent high test. Yeah. Or, if y'all ever uh, want to clean everything out, I got some moonshine I can send y'all. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Dump some of that in the. Yeah. Guys, anything before I let you go? Anything else you want to mention be- while you've got the mic? I think I think one thing I'd say is people thinking about home builds, they should research it real well. There is a v- huge range of home builds. You can get a slow, simple home built. You can get a mid mid speed, and you can get a really fast, high performance airplane, all in the same class. Mm. Uh, that uh, that will do a good job for whatever your mission is. If you like to cross country, man, there's home builds out there that or kit planes that you mm-hmm. can build that fit will do a fantastic job of going across country and other ones like we have that are more float planes and slower local stuff. Yeah. Just whatever you, your bed is. 
Yeah. yeah. Figure out what your mission is before you yeah, I would, jump that's in. That's very important. Yeah. yeah. Take what your you time. And um, have everything set up, your finances. And so you don't, there are a lot of kits around that are half built. People run out of money or interest or time or whatever, you know, so. Yeah. Similar to the same concept of when people go get their pilot's license, you don't want to pay as you go. You want to save up and have the money available so that way you're not flying once every two or three weeks. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You'll regress yeah. and then you have to take longer. Yeah. To, you need to, to go at yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That was the best advice I got from actually Keith mm-hmm. uh, at, at Georgian Bay Airways. He said, save up the money, do it all at once yep. as fast as you yes. can. And, uh, and then you don't regress and you don't forget things and you, everything's fresh. Um, Glenn, good luck with the build, man. Um, yeah, good luck with I'm that. I'm excited man. to see it. So am I. What color are you painting it? Well, right now it's gray. Yeah. But uh, I have a brother who's an aircraft painter. Oh, well, isn't that handy? Yes. He's yeah. going to go and paint it white. Okay. With the red on it? Don't they usually, the Zenith's usually white and red? Well, I don't know. I I, I think Cam said uh, maybe using decals rather than paint. Right? Get it <laughs> all white. The, that's the Lewis, yeah. Lewis yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then you can put your fancy yeah. stuff on, you know, so okay. I've got some ideas. Mark, that would be say. decal if you're not sure. Yeah. I knew what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and listen, uh, I guess the, for me, I listened to what these two guys, Bob and Cam, have to say. Cam and I, or Bob and I were out flying. We came over to Perry Sound to check on his friend to see if he was working. Turned out he wasn't. And, and he said a couple of things to me that have stuck. And one is, um, you don't fly if the sky's got no character. Yes. Which is, that's about uh, oh, that's awesome. And then, oh, wow. uh, you know, just about uh, watching him uh, control his aircraft, right? He's careful. For sure. And he yeah. sets everything up, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Good and by me. character, we mean... Right now, we look outside, yeah. no and, definition. and we no see definition. zero definition. It's just clouds. You see no no change in the clouds. It's just gray. Um, you but, can't fly uh, in that. Yeah, impossible. It's kind of like a, what we were saying before. It's like a glassy water landing. You can't see how high the ceiling is at all. Guys, thank you so much for making time for us today. You're welcome. I appreciate fun and fun. it. Yeah. That was part two of Kit Planes in our real-world pilot series with Canadian Kit Plane owners Cam Merch, Bob Fisher, and Glenn Suggett, and they join me at my home in Perry Sound, Ontario, Canada. Thanks, as always, for listening, and if you haven't already, head over to the App Store or Google Play and download Infinite Flight. For more of the podcast, visit our website and be sure to subscribe on iTunes or YouTube. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Flightcast Audio. Flightcast is brought to you by Linkhouse Media on the web at linkhousemedia.com. Don't forget to check out our new subscription service to get even more great Flightcast content. To subscribe, visit flightcast.audio slash cafe. To cover the fine print, Flightcast is not affiliated with Infinite Flight or Flying Development Studio. I'm Jason Rosewell. Thanks for listening and happy landings. Thank you.